Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. If I could find an apartment building or I could find a condo where everybody there was just Christian. Um, but then you think about that. After a while, you know, you forget what we were here to do. I'm supposed to be a light. I need to be around some junk. Now, safe to say, if you get yourself into a building full of Christians, I promise you there'll still be some work to do. Um, but it's pretty bad these days. So you get a bunch of people that say they're Christians together and it's like just as much work need to be done here than, you know, out there. But needless to say, we want to be mindful as believers that we're called to be a light. Everywhere you go, in everything you do, you're representing God. As a Christian, you need to make sure your actions and speech reflect your faith. Today, Pastor Bill is going to encourage you to live in the world like a light in the darkness. There are so many people that need the hope you have. Even if you don't see someone get saved because of what you do or say, you might just be planting the seed that someone else is going to water and still someone else might see finally grow in God's timing. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Leviticus chapter 25 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Just a bit of recap, uh, in Leviticus 25, we're kind of coming to the end of this book. So we got a few more weeks and um, we'll complete the book of Leviticus. Um, it's been a book of law and rules for the Levites that have been handed down. And as we're at the end of the book, God is giving them almost like some parting directions. And what we talked about last week, we looked at how God was instructing them dealing with the land. So they were to give the land uh, a Sabbath. If you guys remember that, they could only work the land for six years. And on the seventh year, they had to give the land rest. And God had promised that as they took that seventh year off, that God would bless the sixth year so much that they would have an abundance to carry him over. And we talked about last week how that they didn't really heed God's direction to them in that way. They didn't really give the land its rest. And so God took it, you know, they got taken into captivity and God took them out of their land to give the land the rest that it was supposed to get. But God dealt with them in terms of the land and how it was to be dealt with. We're going to deal with some other things that really kind of stumble people up, um, namely how we deal with one another. Um, God's going to be instructing them as his kids and how they're supposed to deal with each other in difficult times. We also touched on the year of Jubilee and we're going to kind of continue in that. We're going to look at not just how we treat one another, but God's going to give them instruction concerning the land. Um, the land didn't belong to them per se. It was God's land that he was giving them. And God was instructing them how to handle it, how to deal with it. Um, what if your brother ends up broke as a believer, as a fellow believer, when your brother next to you ends up broke, how you do him? how you treat them. We get some instruction there. So um, everybody pick up with me at Leviticus 25 verse 23. And it starts off right here. It says the land shall not be sold permanently for the land is mine for you are strangers and sojourners with me. And I, I thought this was interesting that the section that we're covering tonight, it starts off with God telling them the land is mine and it's going to end up telling them that the people are mine. Right here, God says, don't sell the land because it's my land. Later on, he's going to tell them when your Hebrew brother ends up broke and, you know, back then, if you got broke, you sell yourself into slavery. God said, don't make them that kind of slave. You take them on as an employee, uh, but you didn't make them a slave. And when the year of Jubilee came, you had to set them free. But God gave them some instruction on dealing with one another. And the reason he gives them is that those are my people. And so 
would just point this out because, um, again, I try to back up off of this a little bit and say, God, what does this mean for us? Way back when, uh, for the people under the Levitical law, way back when you were instructing them um, and dealing with lands and properties and one another. And I do believe that there's application for us today as New Testament believers. The very first thing I see in verse 23, God tells him the land shall not be sold permanently. And he says, why not? He says, for the land is mine and you're going to be strangers and sojourners with me. God said, look, I don't want y'all caught up over some land. It's my land anyway. And so I don't want it to be sold permanently. Like this is kind of the way it would be as we go through it. Let's say I own the plot of land. Land back then was not like it is for us. For you and I, a land would be our house, where we abide, where we live. For them, land was more than that. It was not just where you live, but it was also the whole lot of land. And it was where you grew agriculture. It was how you provided for your family. It was where your animals would live and where you could breed livestock and where you could feed them, where they could graze. Your land was to sustain your family name. And so it wasn't just like my house. And we'll see that as we go through the chapter. It was this land was given to the Buffingtons and God wanted it to stay in my family. If I ran through tough times and I got broke and I had to let my land go and I sold it to Tony, who's also my fellow, you know, Israelite. God said, you know, at a point in time, I could either buy it back or the year of Jubilee, he would have to give it back to me. And we talked about that last time we were together. That don't sound like a good deal for Tony. But the way it would work is this. Tony would factor in when the year of Jubilee was and how much he would pay me for the land. And let's say he was only going to have the land for 10 years. Well, he would be able to estimate that in those 10 years, I work this land, I'll make twice that amount. So I'll buy it, knowing that in 10 years I got to give it back. So nobody really got a raw deal. Um, but what God did there was made it to where me and Tony aren't fighting over land. God had made a law as to how it was to be dealt with. And so that's what he's doing here. And, and I look at the things that believers get into it over today and the things that we fight over and be taking people to court over um, Christians. God here had in his law set it up. Because I don't really want that to be happening that way between you guys. And he said, you guys are sojourners. You guys are passing through. This is not your home. And does that sound familiar to anybody? Um, because it's the very same thing that he tells us in the New Testament. If you're writing notes, you can write down 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, verses 11 and 12. And in 1 Peter 2, 11 and 12, God says something very similar. He says, um, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. God tells us as New Testament believers, that, hey, you guys, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims. You guys are just passing through here. Don't make this thing your home. Don't fall in love with the things in this life. Enjoy them, but enjoy them in a temporary sense. God doesn't want us locked up to this thing. God wants our heart to be set in eternity. You know why? Because the Bible says where your treasure is, right? Whatever it is that you treasure, that's where your heart's going to be. If I treasure the things of this world, where's my heart going to be? I'm going to be wrapped up down here. Everybody remember Lot's wife? I mean, God sent angels to pull them out of Sodom and Gomorrah before he destroyed it. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but if there were angelic beings leading me out of the city, I mean, that'd be kind of exciting and like, wow, we better get. These are God's messengers coming to get me up out of here. And as you know what it says, she does. 
There was something inside of him. I don't know what she had there. I don't know if she had a closet full of shoes. I don't know if she had some good land, some pretty dresses. But it says that she looked back and God said that you get to stay. And she turned her to a pillar of salt and that was it. And I look at that and I think, wow, you know, I wonder if there wouldn't be people that the rapture is coming and there's something in this world that we're like, no, 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 yeah. You know, you won't get to stop it. You know, if you're going, you're going, you know, but we want to be careful that this world doesn't have its hooks in us, um, that our hearts are with the Lord. Our hearts are with the Lord. Our minds are with the Lord, that we're not wrapped up in the things of this life. So continuing now, look at verses 24 through 28 with me. It says, and in the land of your possession, you shall grant redemption of the land. If one of your brethren becomes poor and has sold some of his possession, and if his redeeming relative comes to redeem it, then he may redeem what his brother sold. Or if a man has no one to redeem it, but he himself becomes able to redeem it, then let him count the years since its sale and restore the remainder to the man to whom he sold it, that he may return to his possession. But if he is not able to have it restored to himself, then what was sold shall remain in the hand of him who bought it until the year of Jubilee. And in the Jubilee it shall be released, and he shall return to his possession. So what is being explained here is what we talked about. If I own a land or a possession and I had to let it go because I ran into financial difficulty, uh, someone near of kin, a relative, could uh, redeem it for me. Or if I got back into a good place financially and I could buy it back myself, um, they had to be willing to sell it back to me. So let's say Tony bought my land like we talked about earlier and I bought it for X amount of dollars, but now I got some money. And I said, hey, Tony, I want to move back into my land. And he would count back from the date of the sale to where it was. And he wasn't taking a loss, but he would have to give me back my land. He would have to sell it back to me. Um, this is what that would do, you guys. The Israelites wouldn't be fighting over land among themselves. They wouldn't be bickering and fighting with one another about land because God said, look, this is how it's going to be dealt with. This is the law. He can buy it back for this amount. Um, you have to sell it back within this amount of time. If they can redeem it, they can. You guys remember the story of Ruth. That's what happened there when Naomi came back with Ruth and brought Ruth with her. Um, you know, Naomi's son who had died when they were away, now married Ruth or whatever. Um, they were trying to keep some of the land in the family. And there was a kinsman redeemer. There was someone in her family next of kin that had a right to the land. But when he was told that in order to get the land, he would also have to marry Ruth. He was like, no, I already got family. You know, he didn't want to make them heir, which is what Boaz wanted. Because Boaz like, then I'll redeem it. He was the next in line to do so. And that's what was taking place there. That meant that that land that he got was going to stay in her family. And that's what was taking place. God was making sure that the land would stay with within the family. So verses 29 through 30, it says, if a man sells a house in a walled city, then he may redeem it within a whole year after it is sold. Within a full year, he may redeem it. But... If it is not redeemed within the space of a full year, then the house in the walled city shall belong permanently to him who bought it, though throughout his generations it shall not be released in the Jubilee. So I thought this was interesting. The rules were different if you bought a house in a walled city. 
So some of the books I read on this treated it like it was kind of a gated community. So if you bought a house in the snooty area or the gated community, you know, after a year, you know, it was permanently yours. Um, But as I dug a little deeper, I found there was more to it than that. If you bought a house in a gated community, those houses were just houses like what we have. There was no land. Um, The thing that God was protecting for the children of Israel was the normal land was out where there were fields and you would have cows and cattle and lambs and all these different things. You needed a lot of land and that would sustain your family. God didn't want a family to lose the ability to sustain themselves. Over here in this gated community, the manners and customs says those would normally be an extra home. You wouldn't be able to do anything agriculturally in those areas. So the rules were different with that. If after a year you couldn't redeem it, you could just keep that. Something else was kind of interesting. Um, Just in looking into this, the wall city would kind of have you in a secluded place. Um, You wouldn't be with everyone else. You wouldn't be in the normal flow of Israelite community. It was a walled city. It was off to the side somewhere. It was a separated group. And this would actually discourage that sort of living from living out among everybody else. And so in the way of application, this is what I just see. And I think it's important for us as believers. Sometimes what Christians like to do is huddle up with all Christians and get away. Just us. And we just want to be around each other. If I could find an apartment building or I could find a condo where everybody there was just Christian. Um, But then you think about that. After a while, you know, you forget what we were here to do. I'm supposed to be a light. I need to be around some junk. Now, safe to say, if you get yourself into a building full of Christians, I promise you there'll still be some work to do. Um, But it's pretty bad these days. So you get a bunch of people that say they're Christians together and it's like just as much work need to be done here than, you know, out there. But needless to say, we want to be mindful as believers that we're called to be a light. I enjoy my time with the body of Christ. It's important. We're supposed to have time we come together and we burn together. We encourage one another. We stir up one another's faith. And Hebrews says that we should be doing that, stirring up love and good works among each other and praying for each other and having a word from each other. And the gifts of the spirit should be flowing among us that when we gather together, it should be a really sweet time. And then we should hit the road. We should get out there and turn the light on and have an impact. And so God was sending them out and giving them land and giving them places. Um, they were really discouraged from the gated living and more encouraged to the normal life where they'd be around communities. They'd have to go to the market and sell and buy and deal with people. They were more encouraged to live that way. We're seeing it over and over again. When the year of Jubilee would come, that's when land would be released back. And the Jubilee was every 50 years. There would come a time where everybody was supposed to release debts. Um, if you owed me debts, I was supposed to let it go on the 50th year. If there was properties that were held up because you were in debt at the year of Jubilee, we had to let that go. I told you guys last time we looked at this, that if something like this were in practice today, um, we so bad in our culture, everybody will wait to the 49th year. And y'all will be buying cars and driving up debt and getting as many credit cards as you could because next year's coming, you know. Um, that wasn't God's intention for this. What God was doing was saying on a regular cycle, there's a releasing of debt so that his people were not an indebted people. Unlike us today, we may be the most in debt society ever where they say people spend money that they don't have to buy things that they don't need to impress people that they don't like. Um, And we live in a society now where you can get everything that you can't afford. 
I think maybe one of the worst ones I see the rent centers. And um, there's a place where if you got a car, but you can't get the rims that you want. Now, don't nobody need flashy rims, but you can rent some rims. I mean, if you just got to have them rims right now, you can go ahead and put that on credit and you can rent the wheels. So now I look like I got money I don't got to have wheels on my car. It's tearing up your transmission. You know, uh, they got the place where you can go get a flat screen and a fridge and a couch and all the normal stuff for the home. We got to be careful about that. God's showing us here with this jubilee, I want my people in debt. And because they were dealing with one another, they would release each other over time. And not God's heart that we would be people bound up in that way. And so uh, we should be wise and be careful uh, how we deal with credit and those things. Look at verse 31. It says, however, the houses of villages which have no wall around them shall be counted as fields of the country. They may be redeemed and they shall be released in the Jubilee. And so uh, the walled city houses were different. If there was a house in a village with fields around it that could be you know, used for agriculture, those could be redeemed or released in the year of Jubilee. 32 and 33 now it says, nevertheless, the cities of the Levites and the houses in the city of their possession, the Levites may redeem at any time. And if a man purchases a house from the Levites, then the house that was sold in the city of his possession shall be released in the Jubilee. For the houses in the cities of the Levites are their possession among the children of Israel. So a little bit of history here. When God gave out the land, after Joshua had won battles, they went out to do war and they were acquiring land. God told the Levites they didn't get a land. Uh, everybody else was given a certain allotment of land, but the Levites were not given a land. God told the Levites, I am your portion. I'm your inheritance. And so everywhere the Levites went, they were completely dependent upon God's system. This is why it was so bad in the Old Testament when people didn't tithe. The scriptures in Malachi and the places where God is coming down real heavily on the people for not tithing. This is why the system God had set up in the Old Testament, it worked this way. There was the sacrificial system. The priest's job was to officiate all the dealings in the temple. Under the old covenant, this is how people got right and stayed right with God. Without the shedding of blood, there was no remission of sins. And so they offered sacrifice, they burned incense, they made showbread. And at different times during the year, they did large sacrifices, hundreds of goats and lambs and bullocks and all these sorts of things. And if the people stopped tithing and they didn't bring in the things to God's storehouse, if they didn't bring the grain, then they couldn't make the showbread. If they didn't bring the olives and the things from the agriculture, then they couldn't press it and keep oil to keep the menorah burning, which was never supposed to go out in the temple. It was supposed to burn nonstop. If they wouldn't bring the animals for sacrifice, then sacrifices wouldn't go forth. And so in those eras where people were, as Malachi said, robbed God in that way, the problem wasn't just that they weren't giving. The problem was that in their not giving, they were ruining everything that God had set up for the people. And also the Levites were to live off of. There was a portion of what was given that they were to be supported by. So the priests couldn't eat, sacrifice weren't going forth, and God was upset about it. That's why it was so bad. So for the Levites, God says, you guys don't worry about land. I am your inheritance. And everywhere you guys go, there'll be a place for you guys. The place of worship, that'll be the place where you're taking care of and your needs are met. Should a Levite ever have to sell their place, it was always redeemable. It was always something that they could go back and get because that was God's inheritance for them. 
What can we gain from that, right? I just see a nugget I see there. The Levites have been specifically called and set apart for God's service. And as they devoted themselves to his service, God said that I'm devoted to your care. You guys devote yourselves to me. Don't worry about all the other things. I'll be devoted to making sure that your needs are met. I'll make it the law. I'll make sure that your needs get taken care of. And I believe for us as God's kids, as those that walk with him, there are principles in place. There are things in God's word where God does promise to take care of us. We shouldn't be. You know, when I read this, I think the Levites, even when things weren't going well, they should have been able to just look to the Lord. God, the people are tripping, but you said. And so we just look to you. The people aren't doing what they're supposed to be, but Lord, you said. So therefore, we look to you and we cling to you. For you and I as New Testament believers, right? The Bible says he supplies all of our needs according to his riches and his glory. Um, the Bible says, it talks about it in Matthew, that we seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, and all these things will be added. And God leaves a believer in a place where he says, you just focus on me. Don't be overwhelmed and stressed out and looking at all the different things and trying to figure it all out. God says, just seek first. Put me first. Seek first my kingdom and all my righteousness and all these things to be added. I will take care of it. And that's a verse that so many people know by heart. But when the rubber meets the road in our personal lives, it's hard to trust them. It's hard to live like it's going to happen. Doesn't always happen in our timing. Doesn't always happen in the way that we would want it to happen. But God does say that. He says, look, seek me first. And so you can go seeking a solution. And that's what some people do. They start seeking a solution to the problem. God said, seek me first. I'll bring the solution your way. If you seek me first, seek my kingdom, my righteousness. So as the Levites were in a place of just really getting to being able to just depend on God to come through. I do believe that that's to be the posture of the believer where we're just trusting the Lord. We're saying, God, I'm looking to you. I trust you to come through. I trust you to take care of the things that concern me, be it lands, fields, possessions, necessary things. Lord, I trust you to take care of me. And I'd ask you to consider that in your own life. How well do you do when it comes to trusting God? And it really doesn't count until you get tested, until you get in a squeeze, till things get tight. How do you handle that? What do you look like when the ends aren't meeting? What do you sound like when stuff's not adding up? Um, what does that look like for you? What do you sound like? Who do you turn to? Um, who do you cry out to? Who do you look to? We want to be looking to the Lord in those times because he's there for us. He loves us. He cares for us. And there's something about just trusting him for that. God, I'm just going to trust you for it. For most of us, it gets easy to trust God after he does it. Oh, Lord, praise him. It's in that window. It's in that hallway when I'm waiting on God to do what I don't know how he's going to do it. Just trust him then. You know, um, we want to all grow in that. I don't want to trust you when I can't see it. I want to believe you for that which I don't see. And um, that does please the Lord when we trust him in that way. And so moving on now, look at verse 34. It says, but the field of the common land of the cities may not be sold for it is their perpetual possession. And that's speaking of the Levites. The land is in the, the common field lands. That was their ongoing possession. It couldn't be taken away from them. It couldn't be sold out from underneath them. God was going to make sure that their needs were continually met. Now, when we opened up chapter 25 a few weeks back, I told you guys there was three different things in the chapter. God, the people, and the land. And we also called it divinity, identity, and destiny. I want to come back to that as we get ready to come to a close of chapter 25. First is God. He's the God of the people. 
And he's establishing his position to them. I'm the Lord. I want you to look to me. It's God's divinity. And that impacts every person's life. Who is God to you? Is he your God? Is he the Lord of your life? That's going to impact every other facet of your life if you're under his lordship or not. It'll impact your life. So first of all, and that's for every person. Where do I stand underneath him? Is he the Lord of my life? Is he just a God out there somewhere? It'll impact every facet of my life. The second thing was the people. Pastor Bill Buffington will share more from the book of Leviticus right here on A Transforming Word. But that's all we have time for today. A Transforming Word is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood, and our prayer is that this ministry touches your faith in such a way that you grow closer to Jesus. We know just how hard it is to live like Christ in a world full of darkness. But just as the Israelites had to learn, God is near. Even when you don't see him, even when you don't feel him, even when you don't understand him, he is near and he is for you. His grace is endless and his love is deep. When the pressures of this world get to you, remember who you are in him. If you'd like to learn more about the book of Leviticus and you'd like to study the Bible more deeply, we have a helpful Bible reading plan on our website. This can be a useful guide to help you explore the word on a daily basis. Just visit CalvaryEnglewood.org and you'll find resources and tools to help you continue to grow in your faith. Before we go, we also want to let you know that you can connect with us on social media too. Like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. We'll add some uplifting content to your week. A Transforming Word is a broadcast on the radio, and our goal is to help spread the good news of the gospel. If you'd like to find out more about how to support A Transforming Word, go to CalvaryEnglewood.org or donate through our app. We're so thankful for your support and more than anything, we hope this ministry has been and continues to be a blessing to you. Thanks for your support and thanks for tuning in. To learn more from Leviticus, be sure to join us next time right here on A Transforming Word.